Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show, where college football playoff contenders earn the right to be discussed and where the playoff never ends. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Doug and Shahan with you again. Inviting teams in, booting teams out, ranking everybody in the middle. It's the College Football Playoff Show, the Wednesday pod, where we provide context. Kind of look ahead at what's next. Shahan, here's the thing. This is what people understand how this works. We have to kick somebody out at the end. That's how we are. The mean stuff is a must. The nice stuff at the beginning, welcome someone in, that's optional. That's optional. If we don't want anyone else, well, we don't have to let somebody in. But we have to kick somebody out. And then you can come back the next week, just like Oregon did. We've already established that. We apologize then. We're not going to apologize every time. So just so people know, someone's leaving at the end. But right now we have, what do we got, 11? We got 11 teams right now. It could grow. We're never going to get to more than 12. But I'm curious. I sent to the texters this week, Shahan, three teams that we might welcome to the playoff discussion group this week. And that might be a stretch with some of them, maybe. One is Florida. It's like, lose. Congratulations. <laughs> Come on in. One is Ole Miss, which is 3-0. and It's a big win against Tulane. And one is Michigan, which is kind of rolling over people in the Big Ten. Two wins over MAC teams. Anybody floating your boat there, Shahan? Anybody in there you really want to invite in? Not really, I think that there are multiple of these teams that could play their way in, right? Like, I'm very excited to see Michigan play some better competition. I think that this could be a team that could, down the road, be part of our discussion based on what we've seen so far. But I don't feel a special need to put them in just because they beat up on MAC teams. And same with Florida, right? Florida's going to have some opportunities against ranked opponents. I mean, they're going to play Georgia later in the year. And, I mean, if they pick up that win, right, then they're in. I think that there's a path to every one of these teams potentially being in the discussion, but do I feel like they need to be in the discussion right now based off of what they've done so far? Not really. I kind of like to let people in early. I kind of like to get a little jump on things. Michigan, for instance, Michigan leading the nation in rushing yards per game, 350 yards per game. Now, again, it's been Western Michigan, Washington, and Northern Illinois. Rutgers this week, At Wisconsin, first weekend in October, that might be the point, Shahan. But if we're not careful with a team like Michigan, it's like, when are they going to actually prove it? Because, again, their three non-conference games are done. Their Big Ten openers versus Rutgers at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, versus Northwestern, at Michigan State. And so I think we have to expand our minds potentially on Michigan without a gigantic win. Otherwise, we might wind up ignoring like an 8-0 Michigan team for too long, for instance, right? Like, I think that is possible. Yeah, I mean, I do think that they don't need to have an earth-shattering win to get into this conversation. I think that if they were to go and play Rutgers, if they were to beat them, you know, by four touchdowns, that's impressive to me. When they go on the road and play Wisconsin, I think that's an obvious opportunity for them to get in. If they get to 5-0 and and beat Wisconsin, this isn't the best Wisconsin team, but if they go on the road, they win pretty convincingly. I think 5-0 and Michigan is enough uh, for them to get in for me. Like you said, if they don't win that game or if that game's close, yeah, I mean, it's going to probably be until Michigan State or even all the way until Penn State before they could play their way in. But uh, but yeah, I, I feel like they're going to have opportunities. I feel like we talked about yesterday that the Big Ten East is one of the better divisions in college football. So it's going to be like a thing where they keep adding up, right? And same deal with Ole Miss. I think that Ole Miss is going to have opportunities against better competition. And once that oh. time comes, I expect they're going to be in. They're going to have opportunity. Yes. They got an opportunity. Coming. Plenty of opportunities. So Florida, by the way, again, Florida, we might have to expand our minds on Florida. Their next month versus Tennessee at Kentucky versus Vanderbilt at LSU before they get to Georgia in the last weekend in October. So, you know, again, we might have to expand our minds on Florida if we want to get them in in advance of that Georgia game. Did you think just really quickly on Florida, what you saw from Florida, did that look like a Florida team that could beat Georgia? 
in your mind? I think so. I, I think so. I think that they looked down the stretch more impressive defensively than I expected, though they still have flaws. Uh, and I mean, you know me, I don't think that George is a flawless team, right? So I do think that Florida can compete. I think that uh, one thing that's going to be interesting to watch is that they are really high on that quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who's been the backup right now Ooh. to Emory Jones. Yeah, who, who uh, against, I can't remember who it was in the second game, against South Florida, he touched the ball like seven times and scored like three touchdowns, right? So maybe at some point this happens and, you know, sometime before uh, October 30th, this happens and the switch happens. Uh, like you said, those next four games probably aren't going to challenge them too much. But if you go through, if you look really convincing against them, because like they only beat South Florida 42 to 20, right? Like this is yeah. a terrible South Florida team. I, I don't really feel any need to find a way to get these guys into the conversation just because they lost close to Alabama. But there is a path, I think. And, and I think that, that path will happen over the next month. It was odd to me that Florida nearly beat Alabama with its second best quarterback. And I get it. We, yeah. I spent a lot of time talking about Anthony Richardson last week and that he didn't play a single snap. Dan Mullen was basically like the hamstring. We MRI'd it. It's actually a little better than we thought it would be, but it still wasn't good enough to go. Dan Mullen said had he played, he would have had to be just a drop back quarterback standing in the pocket because he couldn't move with the hamstring. And they were worried that that was an injury where it could get worse. So he was the backup quarterback. If Emory Jones had gotten hurt, they would have had to play him. But he couldn't be himself, so they chose not to play him. That guy's that guy's unbelievable. That guy, I, that guy needs more opportunities. He's a game changer for them. And I'm not saying again. I talked a lot last week. Play two, keep a defense on its heels. I think that's a quarterback, uh, an opportunity where playing two quarterbacks could help a team when most of the time it hurts a team. So Anthony Richardson, that's a quite a thing for Florida having its back pocket. But most of this discussion is just me slow rolling Ole Miss. Because I want Ole Miss in. <laughs> Ole Miss, I, I want Ole Miss in now, and here's why. They have a bye this week, and then they play Bama. I think Ole Miss, if you're wondering what it's going to look like when Oklahoma gets to the SEC, watch Ole Miss this year. It's that. Nobody can stop them, and then their defense, eh. You know, Ole Miss leading, it's okay. the, leading the nation in yards per game, 638 yards per game they have two of the three leading receivers in the sec which again when you're racking up that many yards i guess that makes sense but they have uh donterio drummond is averaging 113 yards per game he has four touchdowns jonathan mingo averaging 97 yards per game he has three touchdowns they're both like six two six one big body guys who can get behind the defense they have Multiple running backs, uh, Jerry on Ely and Henry Parrish Jr. combined 24 carries for 169 last week against Tulane. And Matt Corral is maybe the best quarterback in football. And he can run, man. He had four rushing touchdowns last week. In addition to throwing for three, 23 of 31, 335, three touchdowns, 13 of 68 on the ground, four touchdowns against Tulane. Quarterback draws out of the pocket looking comfortable. Nine passing touchdowns, no interceptions, 335 passing yards per, per season, or per game, I mean. Here's the thing. They're going to beat Bam in two weeks, so I want them in now. Because are we going to put them in after a bye? We're going to be like, oh, well, Lane, they look rested. Lane tweeted well this week. That's Lane Kiffin's team, if you don't know that. The one thing I don't love, DJ Durkins, the co-defensive coordinator there, I don't want to root for a team or be infatuated with the DJ Durkin team, but... Unfortunately, he's part of that team. Do Lane, you know who the offensive coordinator is? Is it Rich Rod? No. no. Who is it? So it's Jeff Lebby, who's a name that you might not know, uh, who is Art Brile's son-in-law. So oh it was on that Baylor God. staff. Stop yeah. it. What am I doing? Why do I have to like these guys? <laughs> I just want to like Lane. Lane's grown up. Lane has <laughs> grown into his skin. Wild child learns from his mistakes, goes to Nick Saban finishing school, and then beats Saban. Can't I just look forward to that without having to root against the coordinators? Uh, you're killing my old Miss buzz. I never <laughs> had a hottie. Is it a hottie toddy thing? I want to go. That, uh, that's that's their thing. Yeah. I want to go have a hottie toddy and throw toilet paper in the trees. And I might be mixing up my. That, that's Auburn. That's Auburn. I'm, I'm not an SEC expert per se. <laughs> But I just want to do that and look forward to this Ole Miss-Alabama game. And now this real-life stuff's bringing me down. Ole Miss has a bye this week. Bama has Southern Miss. 
Matt Corral is the kind of quarterback that can beat Alabama. He can sling it. He can run it. They have two or three options at running back. They have two legitimate threats uh, at receiver. They are going to be a problem for an Alabama defense that looked vulnerable in the second half against Florida. To me, that offense is next level, next step, right? They've got a head coach who's a really good play caller, just like Florida. But I think Matt Corral is clearly a step above Emory Jones. Man, Shahan, I think it's lining up. I want Ole Miss in now. I just don't know which of the first three wins I'm supposed to feel that good about, right? Like, I mean, I, I think that a Too lot lame. of this has to do with right, so I, I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Ole Miss decided to keep pouring on to Ole Miss and Oklahoma didn't, which to me isn't because Oklahoma couldn't have, right? Like I'll only go they almost lost. <sighs> they, 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 they did pour it on so much. They won by five in a game that was they, inexplicably in the balance near the end. They were up 37 to 14 at halftime, right? Like there was no question who the better team was in the Oklahoma two lane game. And I get it. Like Ole Miss is in prove it mode. Like it's funny that we had to mention those old Baylor teams because that's what those 2013 Baylor teams, right? Like they would go up 49 to seven at halftime just because like nobody believed in them. Right. And so they were like, we're going to show you what the final score. We're going to give you something that you can't ignore. And so congrats to Ole Miss for doing that against a bad Louisville team, Austin P and Tulane. But I, that's not anything to me. That's not enough to be considered a national title contender. We've got teams who are barely getting into this discussion who have top 10 teams there or top 10 wins. We've got teams that are barely in this discussion who have multiple top 25 wins. So for Ole Miss to get in just because they, you know, kind of Look are the awesome. only, t- <laughs> they, they look awesome against nobody, but like, how much does that mean? How much does that mean? They have a legit. I think they have legit skill guys. They have a legit, a legit quarterback, and they have a good play caller. They have a good a, attack. Obviously, they go quick. They keep you off balance. They run and pass. I I know I know what you're saying. You know you know you think they're improvement mode. You know who else is improvement mode? Shahan. This podcast. I'm identifying <laughs> with Lane Kiffin. I'm two years older than Lane. I was a former wild child finding my way in the world, maturing through my mistakes. And look at me now, hosting a, <laughs> eh, you know, a podcast with a with a rising star. Listen, that makes you. Now I was gonna say, are you, you're not my. I'm not gonna compare that Baylor guy just because he's a Baylor guy. And you're a Baylor <laughs> guy. So here's the thing, though. I mean, clearly, the, we can put in more than one team at once. I'll tell you this: the Texers don't want anything to do with any of these teams. Yeah, 817-442-6789. You get to vote on this stuff. You're one of the three votes, Texters. 14-day free trial, a dollar a month after that. Should Ole Miss be added to our playoff discussion? 79% no, 21% yes. Should Florida be added to the playoff discussion? 71% no, 29% yes. Should Michigan be added to the playoff discussion? 81% no, 19% yes. So part of the issue, Shahan, is there is not, you know, there's not like an Oregon win. You know, that like, well, we got to get those no. guys in right now, or even no, like Penn no. State, right? That, that the teams that we're talking about haven't beaten anybody, but you're trying to assess them based on their level of play as they maybe, as they get prepared to take on some teams and maybe get a win. Where I, I would be very comfortable putting Ole Miss in, and then if they lose to Alabama, we'll kick them out. But we get to talk about them for a couple of weeks because I think they're really interesting. And is Matt Corral, listen, if Matt Corral beats Bama, he's the Heisman favorite. Is he the best quarterback in college football right now? I think he's playing better than Spencer Rattler. Sam Howell has the early loss. He's played better, I guess, lately. But, like, who, who's better than Matt Corral right now? Like, that's part of this, too. Like, they've got a dude, man. They've got a real dude who can run and throw. Yeah, and and right now, Matt Corral is, by a lot of Vegas uh, sportsbooks, he is the favorite right now to win the Heisman Trophy because of how impressive he's looked early in the year. And so that is something that's tangibly changed. The, the thing for me, though, still, too, is that you look last year at the Alabama game. Ole Miss scored 48 points, right? Like, they had a great offensive game. They gave up 63. And I'm a little worried that that's what's going to happen this week. That's, and I do think that this Ole Miss defense has improved, but they haven't had to stop anyone who can score on them. You know, can they compete up front? Can they compete with the receivers? Can they compete with the running backs? Can they compete with Bryce Young? I wish I had a better answer for that, but 
I think that your point is well taken, that uh, that it would at least be something to have Ole Miss in this discussion from a pure discussion standpoint. I do think 48 wins that game this year. And again, it's not this week. We got a week off, so we'll have another week to talk about this because Bama's playing Southern Miss and, and Ole Miss is, is having a bye week. Again, diabolical scheduling genius Lane Kiffin, who learned from the master. <laughs> I don't know what Lane did to get the bye before Bama in conference play, but he got it, man. He got it. All right, texters say no. I say yes, so it's up to you. Are we adding Old Miss to the playoff discussion or not? <sighs> and what the hell? Let's let him in. Bang! That's how we do it, Lane style. What the hell? Let's let him in. Welcome, <laughs> Lane Kiffin, and your hard to root for coordinators. But welcome to the hottie toddies and everything good about Old Miss. They're in. Eli Manning, he went there. He's on TV on Monday nights. Everybody thinks he's charming as like kind of the self-deprecating little brother. Hey, the Mannings, everybody loves the Mannings. I am not watching the Mannings on Monday Night Football. I know everybody else loves it. Are you watching the Mannings talk on Monday Night Football or no? Oh, man. We record uh, one half of this podcast on Monday nights, and then at, by the end of that day, I am just exhausted. So uh, sometimes I go back and rewatch some of the game, but I, I am unfortunately not keeping along. Yeah, it's okay. It's like Ted Lasso. The Mannings are like, are they not? They're the they're the live version. They're the real life Ted Lasso. Um, okay, Old Miss is in. I'm very excited about this. And, and again, I'll take the L if Bama blows them off the field. I'll yeah, take the L. You will. <laughs> and well, it'll be good. It'll be a good for the for the Tuesday segment about something where Shahan's smarter about Doug. It'll be like Shahan reluctantly just to give Doug throw Doug a bone put. Old Miss in the discussion, then Bama beat them by five touchdowns. That'll be a good thing to talk about later. <laughs> I think they're legit. I think that's going to be a game in two weeks. Old Miss is in. That brings our total of teams to 12. When we come back on the College Football Playoff Show, Shahan and I will rank those teams, one through 12. And then at the end, it's booting time. Next. 817-442-6789 if you want to join the text. Again, and also, if you're listening to this and you haven't uh, dropped the review at Apple Podcasts, we'd love it. It would, it would give us a little boost. We would be grateful. We're not asking you to lie. Don't lie. So if you only like Shahan and you don't like me, give us a five-star overall and then criticize me in the, in the review. That's fine. That's fine. I've, I've had it happen before. I would probably do that if I were writing a review. But we'll take any feedback you have. We certainly appreciate that. Let's get to our ranking, Shahan. We are now ranking 12 teams, which is our max. We're maxed out with the addition of Ole Miss. But again, we're going to get back to 11 because someone's leaving at the end. We are still ranking these teams just based on we're the committee. And I I readjusted my committee thinking because I didn't think I had my committee hat on enough lately. I, I really tried to committee it up. So that's how I tried to do it. So that's how I'm thinking. Good wins, a little bit of how you look, but like good wins earning it. So who's your number 12, Sean? I don't think this should come as a surprise to anybody. Notre Dame, number 12. Uh if Purdue doesn't lose their quarterback and kind of doesn't fall apart at the end of the game, they win this game. And that, I mean, this is three straight games that it's a game in the fourth quarter against an opponent that it really shouldn't have been. I, Notre Dame hasn't showed me anything so far this season. They're clearly number 12 to me. Agree. You, maybe it's hanging out with you. I don't know. When I was young, I think I already said this, maybe I said this before, like in the 80s, when I was growing up in the 80s, my grandfather liked Notre Dame. And I was like, why would anyone like Notre Dame? They're terrible. And they're like, oh, Notre Dame used to be good at football. And I was like, Notre <laughs> Dame used to be good at football? That's what happens when you are uh, first introduced to Notre Dame football in the Jerry Faust era. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> they used to be good at football? Tell me a story, Grandpa. All right. They're not there now. They're just, they're, they're not winning very impressively. So I also have them at 12. Who's your eleven? So I have Ole Miss at 11. Uh, again, very impressive in the games that they played. Haven't really played any games that matter to me. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're going to rise. If, if they are competitive against Alabama, I think they could rise. If they win some of these SEC West games, they're going to rise. But right now, I don't feel any need to put them any higher than number 11. I do think that offense, the defense has a couple guys. The offense, I think, is is quite good and i'm trying to to some degree it's like well they are three and oh they haven't played anybody but compared to some other teams and what they've done i am okay taking a somewhat direct comparison from the tulane game because i'm not dismissing what you said basically that old miss 
kept their foot on the gas because they're old Miss and they have to establish something that Oklahoma hasn't. But then when Oklahoma does that again against Nebraska, I can't brush off the two lane thing. The 5.2 lane win is like, ah, it means a little more to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that into consideration. And I have old Miss eight. And again, when I, when I think about the way their offense is operating, the other, the teams that I have them ahead of, it's the way their offense is operating, and I think their defense is fine, and I have at least more questions. I'm trying to committee it up. I have more questions about some of these other teams, so that's why I do have Ole Miss 8. The thing that I'll mention, the one thing that I'll mention, is that they've played two FBS games, and it's small sample size theater. They've only played three games, so playing Ole Miss plays a part in this, but the two defenses that they've played rank number 93 and number 116. So That's what happens to your ranking when you get Kiffined, baby. <laughs> Straight to the bottom. It's like that, you give up 800 yards to Ole Miss, you're ranking shot. But I know what you're saying. It is? Yeah. It's it, They're not necessarily great defensive units. No, they are not doing this against Clemson and Georgia and Alabama. But, man, I can't wait for them to play Alabama. It's like the big SEC game on, SC, on CBS. They already announced it two weeks. Get fired up. And, again, we're going to have the whole – Saban doesn't lose to assistance thing. But again, it's like, this is a good team with a really like a quite, quite good quarterback. And they really use him in a smart way. He's so Matt Corral is so dangerous when he drops back and then they're just running draws, man. And they really had Tulane on their heels. They can run power with him. So he's the kind of guy they can use called runs for him. And he can get some yards on his own scrambling when things go wrong, but he has two guys who can get behind the defense. And I thought Bama against Florida couple. I know Saban's mad, right? couple bad pass interference penalties against Florida, just some like careless stuff, some missed tackles against Florida. And I think both the pass game and the run game of Ole Miss can accentuate some of those mistakes that we saw from the Alabama defense last last week. I can't wait. I, I, Kiffin's in the Batcave, man. He's dialing it up. My 11 <laughs> is Clemson. My okay. 11 is Clemson. And I think this is doubling down on what we talked in the Tuesday podcast. Just the, the questions offensively are just legit. And I, And listen, man. Oh, and Lynn J. Dixon transferred. We talked yes. about yes. we talked about hey, these veteran running backs at the big three powers with young guys behind them at Ohio State. Master Teague is out. He was the backup running back last week, but Travion Henderson, the true freshman, has taken the job. Lynn J. Dixon is so out with the rise of Will Shipley and Kobe Pace. Shipley, a true freshman, Pace, a second year guy. That Lynn J. Dixon is transferring. Lynn J. Dixon waited his whole career behind Travis Etienne, thought he was going to be the guy this year, is clearly not the guy, and he's gone. Now Shipley and Pace look good. That's a that, that that's the best part of their offense right now. Those guys can get some yards on their own, and Brian Robinson has been pretty good for Alabama. But they also are playing guys behind him, Jace McQuellen and some other guys who look good. So Clemson to me is eleven because it the just the offensive questions they have to do a lot to figure some stuff out there, and so I have them this low. Where'd you have Clemson? Yeah, I had them 10. Uh, they were the first team up from Notre Dame and Ole Miss. And all the reasons that you said, I'm concerned that some of their issues aren't solvable. But the flip side is I think that their case is still very straightforward. It's still going 12-1, and beating North Carolina or whoever in the in the ACC title game and, and having a playoff case. So they're still here, per se, in the discussion for me, but they're, they're clearly 10. Okay. I think we're, we're basically in agreement there. And I'm curious if we're going to be in agreement here. I have Ohio State 10. Yes, and I have Ohio State 9. So all, all, so we have Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State at the bottom here. It's just a matter of where we're sliding in Ole Miss, basically. Yes. But we're in agreement yes. here. And again, we kind of talked about this on the Tuesday pod. Basically, Ohio State is the same discussion as Clemson, just the opposite side of the ball. Are the yeah. defensive issues fixable? They do seem a little more fixable than the Clemson offense, but clearly those things are, are holding the Buckeyes back right now. Yeah. I mean, and, and not, to, not to take this in another direction, but – it's, it was surprising to me because CJ Stroud through the first two weeks, right? Like he wasn't great, but he w- did enough, you know, like he kind of was enough of a facilitator. Did you feel like he regressed last week? It, it felt like he really struggled. Yeah, no, I think he did. There's a, he, he has a shoulder issue. He says his shoulder hurts. He keeps working it out during games. Ryan Day basically said, you know, sometimes you have to fight through this stuff. I think it, they're making it sound like he's hurt, not injured. They're playing Akron this week. They're a, a more than 50-point favorite on a Saturday night game at home. I think it's time to play some of the other quarterbacks, which you would do in a blowout anyway. This is their last 
You know, they thought Tulsa last week might have been a chance for a blowout, and it was 27-20 with like six minutes to play. This is their chance to play the backups. Kyle McCord, true freshman, has never played a college snap. Jack Miller, second-year guy, has never thrown a college pass. And then Quinn Ewers is here. So they have to play them anyway, but I also want to see what other quarterbacks look like in this offense because there are great, 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 especially when you add in Trivion Henderson, your wow playoff guy of the week, great guys here. Now, Thayer Munford, their sixth-year offensive lineman, starting left tackle this year, last year, moved to left guard this year, out, got hurt in the game last week. We're not exactly, you know, he might be out. Ryan Day said it wasn't going to be long-term, but that's at least a minor issue for them. But that is something I, it feels weird. I don't want to be unfair to CJ Stroud, but it's, this is life in the big city. I think it's possible he's not their quarterback by the end of the year because I don't think he's played so well. And again, DJ hasn't played great at Clemson, but they don't have Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers and Jack Miller stacked behind DJ. Ryan Day likes having these options. What's the point of having them if you don't at least try them out? I'm not saying bench CJ Stroud. I'm saying I'd like to see what a couple other guys look like. I mean, this is like, what, 19 stars worth of quarterbacks, and it's just inexplicable to me to have this level of quarterback play when you've got this many guys, right? Because we, we talked about it, you know, to, I feel like to some extent, like, yes, he got Justin Fields to campus, but it felt like a lot of the Ryan Day thing was, hey, I have Justin Fields, who's one of the greatest college quarterbacks in recent memory. This is concerning to me. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a long-term thing. It's still very early in CJ Stroud's career. He still has, you know, a, a lot of these guys are still, like you mentioned, first or second year players. But man, it is, it's, it's kind of inexplicable to have all this talent and this is kind of the best you can get out of it. Yeah, it's just, and they're young, right? It's young, but like Bryce Young has flashed in a big, a much right. bigger way than CJ Stroud so far. DJ has right. struggled. DJ Uyunglele has struggled. Right. And right. we know that Clemson is just going to s- stick it out with him. And so, you know, again, the Ohio State options create a little more controversy, but that it also creates more potential solutions. And I'm not saying DJ should be benched. Sometimes young quarterbacks take some time, but Ohio State has, as you said on the Tuesday pod, the other 10 guys, like, right. they're working it. So you right. have a chance right now to get this to compete in a mucked-up year. Ohio State has a chance to compete at the highest level right now. And my questions about C.J. Stroud aren't just the now. It's what's his ceiling? What's he showing so far that tells you what his ceiling is? Because if you're not a Heisman conversation quarterback – at Ohio State, I mean, you should be. That's the standard now. That's the standard at Bama now. That's the standard at Clemson now. That's the standard at Oklahoma now. So if you're if you're wondering if this guy, does he have that ability or not, and you have three other guys stacked behind him, at least two, Ewers and McCord, at least two. Those are both five-star guys. You've I got to see him. I've got to see him this week against Akron. So this is going to be a blowout, but it is worth watching to see if and when they play McCord, I don't know if they're going to play yours or not. I mean, he just got here. But <laughs> McCord is the guy that they have to get a look at. And then listen, Shahan, you know what's complicated? If your backup looks better than your starter. But then it's tough decision time. And again, I'm not saying C.J. Stroud, but I'm saying if McCord looks awesome, then maybe you play Stroud and McCord against Rutgers. Then maybe you play Stroud and McCord against Maryland. Then they have a bye week before Indiana, Penn State. And then I think they have a week. They would have time to figure that out. I'm not benching the starting quarterback. I'd like to see other guys. We're in agreement basically here so far. So your nine is Ohio State. My nine's Oklahoma. And this is me trying to committee it. Again, we we know what the deal is with Oklahoma. Defense has looked a little vulnerable at times, but then Nick Benito or somebody will make a big play and get pressure right when they need it. But they 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 give some stuff up still. And then Spencer is Spencer. I have Oklahoma nine. Where did you have Oklahoma? I have Oklahoma six. Uh, I think that to this point, like you said, they've looked a little shaky. I don't feel like anyone else behind them on my list has looked flawless by any means, right? I, I mean... I think that you mentioned resume and one of the teams that I do have behind Oklahoma right now is Penn State. But I just feel like Oklahoma has still, when they've been kind of getting after it, looked like a more impressive team. I still think that they're a better team. I still think that, you know, to me early in the year, 
I wanted to see more from their defense. And I think that their defense has been pretty good so far this year. Uh, you know, it's it's their offense, really, that's been the issue. And I have more faith that their offense is going to get figured out. So, yes, this is kind of bucking committee logic to some extent, but I still have Oklahoma at six. I, I don't disagree with it. They would be a heck of a conversation in the committee room right now, right? It just it sort of depends what you're valuing. And again, three-game sample size makes it difficult. So I, I'm not going to argue strongly against Oklahoma at six. Okay, so my bottom so far, I have Notre Dame 12, Clemson 11, Ohio State 10, Oklahoma 9, Old Miss 8. Shahan, you have Notre Dame 12, Old Miss 11, Clemson 10, Ohio State 9. Who is your 8? I'm still worried about Texas A&M. Um, you know, Zach Calzada showed me something this past week that I think that he's going to be okay. I, I don't think that quarterback is going to be their biggest question mark. The thing that was shocking to me, because Texas A&M played New Mexico, a very, very bad team, like a very, very bad team. And they did not convincingly win the battle up front. And that is not good. That is terrible, terrible news. Now, I will mention, Texas A&M was down two offensive linemen heading into the game, and then a third got hurt during the game. Well, that's bad. That seems like an excuse. That's fine. Give him a break, Sean. Well, I'll tell you what. If, If your offensive line is a little banged up, okay, fine. You know, you shouldn't get beat up by New Mexico, but you know, sure, fine, whatever. Uh, You got Arkansas this week and Arkansas is going to punch you in the face because that's what they do. And that's what they take pride in doing. And I don't know if Arkansas has got enough to win the game, but the fact that they got beat up by New Mexico's offensive line in week three, and really, I mean, even, even to some extent by Colorado in week two and Colorado looks terrible right now as well. Uh, I'm a little worried about what Texas A&M has on the offensive line. We knew that Kenyon Green was going to be a sure thing. Uh, you know, he moved over to right tackle after playing guard the last couple of years, but the rest of the guys have not come along so far. And if any of their starting offensive linemen are banged up, I mean, that's going to be some real trouble. I love Texas A&M's pieces, though. Uh, the, the Devon A-Chain and Isaiah Spiller, man, I love A-Chain. And I know, so they had combined 27 touches for 191 against yeah. New Mexico. And I think like they scored their first touchdown. I think they faked the handoff to Spiller and threw it to a chain. And it's like, I would do that all day. They yeah, should have yeah. 50 combined touches against Arkansas. I love them. Jalen Weidermeyer, great tight end. Damon Demas got behind the defense this week. Like just, and then Zach Calzada, our guy, he looked better. He got better. It got better. He, I don't know, I don't know his stats, but he looked, so again, if the ratio, I think we debated a week ago, I was like, I was like 80% bad, 20% good, and you were like, no, it was 85-15. So it's like, okay, but at least swung a little closer to 50-50, right? He, he stood in there and ripped some throws at times. So you're right about the line, and Arkansas is the perfect kind of test for Texas A&M this week. Right? Tough, physical. Texas A&M is more talented. Arkansas is in the top 20. They beat Texas. They're like a real team. But this is a team that Texas A&M, with its talent level, should be able to handle. But they're going to get pushed. And so if they can't handle this, then I'll have questions. For now, if Calzada is okay, and I thought he was. I thought he ripped some throws. I am. I fall in love with them at times. I have them fifth because I still yeah. just think like but all the skill guys. And then again, big, you know, DeMarvin Leal and some big time dime guys on defense. I think they had four sacks last week. Again, I think they still can play better. I think sometimes there there are not as the sum of their parts is not as good as the individual parts sometimes, but it makes me think there's more in there. So I don't want to give them too much benefit of the doubt in the ranking like this because it's supposed to be on performance, but I do have them fifth. I personally hate teams that <laughs> are lesser than the sum of their parts, right? Uh, that's yes. that's why I'm that's why I'm so frustrated with Ohio State right now. I see all these players and I'm like, you got so much more talent than everybody else, and you play worse. Like that is that bugs me to no end when I see a team and and same deal right now with AM, right? And it's not the player's fault. Like, and it's not Jimbo's fault. It is partially the offensive line's fault. But if you can't find ways to maximize your player's strengths, and that's a consistent trend for you, which I think it has been with Jimbo Fisher's offenses, 
it's it's just so frustrating to me to watch. Now, they're going to be okay, and I don't think that Arkansas – I mean, Arkansas relies so much on their offensive line and their run game, and I think that Texas A&M is going to win that battle pretty easily. Uh, so I don't know that Arkansas is the team that's going to actually pull off the upset. I will actually be at that game at AT&T Stadium, which should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's my first time getting to see one of the contenders this year. But, you know, coming up, it's Alabama on October 9th. Uh, you know, I think that Ole Miss is going to be a really tough game for them on November 13th. Yep. Like that's that's probably going to be one of the, the the more fun games of the year. So it's really those two games that I'm looking at as being potential trouble spots is the Alabama game is the Ole Miss game. Uh, and actually, Auburn, I don't know whether they're going to put up a ton of points on them because I, I still am not an Auburn believer. But I do think that they're going to give that offensive line some trouble. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not exactly sure what to expect the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think that Texas A&M is going to win this week, but. I, I don't feel great about them. All right. Texas A&M, eight for you, five for me. Who's your seven? I've Penn State number seven. Uh, like I mentioned, still not a still not an Auburn believer. So I give them credit for picking up a win over a top 30-ish type team for me. Um, but I'm not going over the moon too much for them. You know, I, I think that the win could have been more convincing. But this is two ranked victories earlier in the year against Wisconsin and Auburn. Two teams that I'm not super high on, but still teams that are clearly top 30 type teams, top 25 type teams. And so they have the resume argument. Uh, I want to still see more consistent offense from them. I think that their defense has looked amazing. But, you know, offensively, I want to see them sustain drive. Sean Clifford showed me something this week, which I was impressed by. Um, they, 28 they found of really- 32. 28 right. of 32. Right. And they found really creative ways to get Jahan Dotson involved in the in the pass and the run game as well. They got him the ball in a lot of different ways. So that's the kind of creativity I wanted to see from them. And they're showing it to me right now. I'm curious to see as they head into Big Ten play, like we mentioned, Big Ten East, it's going to be a real battle this year. So they're going to have opportunities to prove themselves. But right now, they're very much a team that I feel like does not pass the eye test per se, but they really pass the resume test. And they have time, I think, to get the eye test up back where it needs to be. I agree with all that. And I had a hard time ranking them as a result because I agree with kind of with your like they gutted it out against Auburn. They, yeah. they maybe should have lost. Auburn had yeah. first and goal at the 10 in the final minutes. They go incompletion, one yard run by Tank uh, Bigsby. Bigsby. Seven yard completion, fourth and goal from the two. They throw a fade. Awful. Like <laughs> the receiver, the and it was, it was, it made your eyes bleed. The fit, the you're putting, this is a tank Bigsby physical, Bo Nixon physical quarterback. If you give him, like, that's your play. I could not believe they threw a fourth and two do or die fade down eight in the final minutes from the two yard line. And then the receiver in the corner just like both went up ran into each other, and the ball practically flew into the stands. It was grotesque. And and you know what? It probably was uncatchable, even if the receiver was wide open. Like, it, it probably went out of the end zone anyway. And to put the game on the arm of your quarterback, who's not very good, I mean, that is a decision that someone is allowed to make. I, I couldn't believe it. It was awful. But so it's one of those, you give... Penn State credit for like gutting it out and finding a way to win. And you can go through that defense, Brandon Short, Tariq Castro Fields, Jaquan Brisker, Joey Porter Jr. You, you can find uh, Lucetta, Jesse Lucetta. You can find a lot of guys. Like again, when if you try to do a head to head comparison in the Big Ten, I feel like you can, if, if you said, give me the 10 best defensive playmakers on Ohio State and Penn State, I think Penn State might have seven of the top of the 10, if not eight, if you're talking about who's making a difference for a defense in a game right now. So there is a lot to like about that defense. And Jahan Dotson looks great. He, he is, he is elevating his game. And so again, a lot of pieces and it's all Clifford 28 to 32, right? Tough plays, made some running plays through for 280. Two touchdowns, one interception. The interception is kind of trying to force it right at the end of the first half in a you know last twenty seconds. That's that's the kind of na- game they need from Sean Clifford against Ohio State, right, to give themselves a chance. Again, I Sean Clifford, Brock Purdy, a lot of similarities to me. Brock Purdy did not play that kind of game against Iowa to give Ohio State a chance. Sean Clifford made plays, didn't kill him. Let Jahan Dotson do his thing. 
let the defense make some big stops, and that's all they need from that quarterback. That game plan to me, Shahan. Now, the one difference is the Penn State-Ohio State game is going to be in Columbus. And they won by eight, and they needed, I think, every bit of that home field advantage to get it done. But I could see Penn State playing like that and that being enough to beat Ohio State if they kind of have a facsimile of that kind of game. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I I think that the thing right now is that Penn State can win games ugly. Their last two wins over ranked opponents, again, against Wisconsin, 16 to 10, against Auburn, 28 to 20. And so when they muck up a game, they have, I, I think that they can muck it up as well as anybody. Now, the one thing that you say is that they're, their next big game, the one that everybody's looking at, is on October 9th, and that's on the road against Iowa. And that's a team that is built around mucking up everything. So the question is, can they be more than that? I feel like they have the talent on offense to be more than just a team that mucks things up, right? Like, yes. I, I think that with Dotson, with Noah Kane, with Sean Clifford, they have real sustainable offense that they can create. I want to see that, especially the next couple of weeks. Indiana is a team that no longer looks especially good, but that is a team on October 2nd that they're going to play that does have a good defense and has some pieces on that back end. If they can kind of show some consistency on offense, I'll feel a lot better about where they sit. Uh, But right now for me, they're number seven. Penn State, Iowa, seriously, one of the bigger games out there in college football when you look at what's coming in the next five, six weeks. All right, you had Penn State seven, item four. And I okay. I don't disagree with the eye test thing. I just did lean on the resume stuff. I wasn't sure what to do, so I pushed him up a little bit. So my seven is Cincinnati. Where do you have Cincinnati? I have Cincinnati five. I jumped them ahead of Oklahoma this week. And so this Indiana win is, is a quality win, especially because it started off and I was like, here they go again. They get down 14-0 at Indiana, and I'm like, all right, well, Cincinnati – Get ready to get kicked out of the playoff discussion and never come back. Just like a couple years ago when you came into Ohio Stadium and got your doors blown off, this is your big chance to shine on against a decent Power 5 team, and you're down 14-0 with two minutes left in the first half. It's still 14-0. But then Cincinnati, they get a touchdown with 133 left in the first half. They kick a field goal on the last play of the first half to get it to 14-10. They go up 17-14, then they fall behind 21-17. They go up 23-21, they fall behind 24-23, and then they put it away in the fourth quarter. They score, they shut out Indiana in the fourth quarter. They score two touchdowns, a 38-24 win. Wasn't beautiful. Desmond Ritter, who is an extremely dangerous and talented and versatile quarterback, can really sling it. Wasn't perfect. 20 of 36 for 210. Jerome Ford, who's played really well this year, 20 carries for 66. Like, you know, not spectacular, but the fact that they hung around and figured it out against a decent, not great, but decent Indiana team, it, they they did earn some credit, and they clearly earned it from you, Shahan, if you have number five. Yeah, I mean, I think that everybody was waiting for their first game against a Power 5 opponent. I, I think that everybody was waiting to see what would happen, and it wasn't as good as I think, I hoped, right? Like it wasn't that, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the kind of game that I hoped they'd have. I, I hope that they would have come out and really looked good against them, especially knowing that this is a big opportunity for them. But I still do think that that second half that they showed where they, what, outscore them 28 to 10 in the second half, I think that's much more representative of what the Cincinnati team is and has been. Uh, but we've talked about it earlier in the year, right? I mean, if you're a group of five team, you kind of have to be perfect. They weren't quite perfect, right? I, I mean, that's that's the one thing that you say about it, and that's something that's very frustrating to me. But they did enough, and I think at some point that just matters. Um, I really think that they're number five for me right now because they've showed the least weaknesses mm-hmm. in, in these losses so far. That's why I moved Oklahoma down. I think that Oklahoma's been very inconsistent. I understand having Penn State ahead of them. I get it. Um, I'm still... I, I still think that what I've seen from Cincinnati is very impressive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they're 3-0. They still have a chance to to keep pushing for the playoff. Um, so right now I have them at number five. By this week for Cincinnati, then at Notre Dame, and that like that's their season on the line because if they beat Notre Dame, it's like who's going to get them in the American? Might be Tulane, this Tulane team, right, that hung with Oklahoma that we keep using as a judge. It's going to be interesting if we wind up in a spot where – you know, we have Old Miss, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati, and we're trying to figure them out. Like we're using how they played against Tulane as a comparison. But you just look once they get if they beat Notre Dame, 
And again, this is a really good spot for Cincinnati because Notre Dame has Wisconsin this week and Cincinnati has the week off. Like that is that is a pretty significant edge. Wisconsin's going to beat up Notre Dame this week. Whether Notre Dame wins or loses, Wisconsin is going to make them feel it. So then, you know, it, Temple, UCF, at Navy, at Tulane, Tulsa, at South Florida, SMU, East Carolina. It's really there for them, as we knew. But sometimes there look like other really dangerous teams in the American. I don't see really anybody that dangerous on their remaining schedule. A week to rest for the Bearcats and then everything on the line in South Bend. We'll talk a lot about that next week. But again, I don't have a big disagreement with you having Cincinnati fifth. I had Cincinnati seventh. My number six is Iowa. Where do you have Iowa? I have Iowa up at number three. I I think that they have multiple really good wins, right? This is a resume thing. Uh, It's been ugly. That's what what Iowa does. It's it's been ugly, but I think that they have been very convincing in their wins. I think, you know, you look at their two ranked victories in Indiana, we mentioned not a ranked team anymore, but but a team that was ranked number 17 coming into the year. And then Iowa State, a team that was ranked in the top 10, and they physically dominated both those games without really showing very much on the offensive side of the ball. So... I still have them third. I, I think that their victories were a little more impressive than, than say, a Penn State's or something like that. Um, and so I have them third. I, I think that I don't expect them to stay at three for super long, but especially while everybody else is struggling, I mean, I was doing their thing. I get it. Does it bother you at all that the first half possessions for Iowa against Kent State were punt, punt, touchdown, fumble, punt, touchdown? Like, does that, are you okay with that? Or, and then they punted on their first possession of the second half. Did it, did it bother you that it took them a while to pull away from a Mac team in Kent state? That's now one and two that, that to me, again, it's ugly, but I was like, well, I don't know. I think Cincinnati, I think Penn state would I didn't. I, I do have Cincinnati below Iowa. I don't know. I just think some other teams, if they would have played Kent State, would have would have dominated more in the first half than Iowa did. Well, I mean, I think it's not quite like the Penn State thing, but a little bit like the Penn State thing of like where I understand. I mean, again, this is like the eye testing, right? You watch it and you're like, this is making my eyes bleed. I don't know what I'm watching, but this is what they do, right? I mean, they went up 16-7 at halftime, right? So this game wasn't, this game was a two score game at halftime. I, I get it. They, they should have piled on and eventually they did uh, winning 30 to seven. But I just think that we have to kind of think that I was going to win games in this way, right? Like they're going to do it without huge offensive numbers, without scoring a lot of points. And it's one of those things where like, you know, with like a, with like an option team, for example, like they can dominate games but because there's only seven possessions the final numbers don't look super impressive. I feel like you almost have to take that approach with Iowa. That just, it's not going to look super duper impressive. There's not going to be a ton of drives, but their defense is going to give them a chance. Uh, and, and their special teams unit is maybe the best in college football right now. So I don't really feel that concerned by it, but I understand what you're saying. Tyler Goodson, the running back for them, he's fourth in the nation among power five running backs in carries. They really do lean on him. 22 for 153 three touchdowns against Kent state. He's, he's the real deal, man. He is absolutely the real deal. And as we talked about with Tyler Kluver last week, does that defense does not give you much room to operate? So yes, I, I do think it's, it's one of those things. It's their formula. So if they're winning with their formula, why are you holding it against them? But then when you go out in the world and you try to compare them to other teams, sometimes it's like, okay, Colorado state this week, Colorado state's coming off uh, a win over Toledo. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that, but so then, they beat Notre Dame, right? Well, we're all excited because Cincinnati gets to play Notre Dame. <laughs> Iowa gets to play a team even better than Notre Dame in Colorado State. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't initially get your backhanded swipe at Notre Dame, but I appreciate it. <laughs> sorry. We'll take out my what because it was a good shot. It was a good unnecessary shot. Two weeks from now, interesting at Maryland. That's the week before the Penn State game. Again, Penn State, Iowa yeah, is going to be huge. Yeah. At Maryland, Maryland doesn't look great. Talia Tonga Vialoa. Good quarterback, dangerous quarterback, couple big-time receivers there. That will be a, an interesting undercard, a prelude, an appetizer for the Iowa-Penn State game. And on the road at Maryland, just the kind of thing that if I was at all looking ahead to Penn State, 
Maryland has enough offensive firepower to maybe jump up and get them. I don't think uh, Colorado State, as we call them, the Notre Dame of the Rockies, I don't think is going to be uh, an issue for <laughs> Iowa. Very comparable institutions, yes. Yeah. All right, so you have Iowa third. I have Iowa sixth. I have Iowa six, Texas A&M five, Penn State four. You have Oklahoma okay. six, Cincinnati five, Iowa three. So who's your four? I've got Oregon. Um, I think that they have clearly the most impressive win in college football this year. And, oh, we're second, second, second. Uh, well, eh, I don't know. That's, that's a discussion for another day. But the thing that I'll say about Oregon's win over Ohio State is that, especially seeing after Ohio State looked against Tulsa, it's still a really good win, right? It's still a really, really good win to go into, into Columbus and win a game. But, like, it's not enough to me at this point to build a whole resume around. And so for me, I, I think that Iowa, they have two of these types of wins. Oregon has a more impressive individual win, but uh, but Ohio State looks very vulnerable right now. They look very shaken up right now. They could have legitimately lost to Tulsa, and they're going to have more opportunities to lose. I, I think that Iowa's body of work was a little more impressive to me at this point, even though Oregon has that really high-level victory. Oregon beat Stony Brook last week. Kayvon Thibodeau, their best player, still did not play. They are still saying he's day-to-day going forward. He was asking to play last week. Of course, they held him out in a game they knew where they, they were going to win by multiple, multiple, multiple scores. So they're getting – that. also, by the way, the Pac-12 is on fire. It's one of the things. We tried to talk <laughs> up the Pac-12 for a little bit. UCLA lost to Fresno State. Nobody besides Oregon looks any good. That conference is not going to help them. Right. They're going to if they keep winning, they're going to be in a kind of a situation like Clemson where it's like, all right, well, who in your conference allows you to look good? They're home against Arizona this week, then at Stanford, then a bye week, then versus Cal at UCLA. I mean, again, it's like who like what are they going to do? But I have them third. You have Oregon fourth. I have them third. I am still intrigued. Now they're not going to have Justin Flo, like who's a five-star linebacker. It's just like their best player is not playing. So yeah. we still don't know what Oregon is. And I, and I shouldn't give them extra credit for that, but it factors in a little bit of like, okay, you did beat Ohio state without your best player. You did, you know, if you didn't, if it took you a little while to get going against Stony Brook, you did it without your best player. And we know he's coming back. So I have them third. And that was in a tiebreaker world with, Penn State and Texas A&M and Iowa and Cincinnati, that factored in at least a little bit for me. But I do think there's still, I think I would be comfortable almost my three through nine moving people around from Oregon to Oklahoma. I'm not super convinced about any of those placements. Our bottom three, I I feel more certain about. And then our top two, we are still certain of. Yeah, I think we have tiers here. And the top two is still a tier. Yes. And I'm I'm curious if you changed your mind. I have Bama two, Georgia one. What's your order? I did not change my mind. So Stubborn. I still have I still have Alabama one. I still have Georgia two. Uh again, I mean, look at what Clemson looked like last week, right? I mean, this is this is Georgia's whole case right now. Is that their win over Clemson was that impressive? And Clemson just does not look very good. Now Georgia's going to have some opportunities. And they, they played South Carolina, by the way, last week. And I think South Carolina is one of the most underrated, terrible teams in the Power Five right now. Underrated, terrible, that people don't realize how terrible they are? Yes, yes. And they play another team that people do realize how terrible they are this week in Vanderbilt. So we're not going to learn anything new about them this week. We're, we're going to probably have to wait until that game on October 2nd against Arkansas, which I think will be pretty interesting. But all that said, I mean, I, I think Georgia's good, right? Like, I think that Georgia's a really good team. I have them top two. I think that they're clearly in a tier with Alabama by themselves. But this Clemson team just does not look good enough right now to be able to build a whole case around, right? It's kind of like the, what I said with Oregon and Ohio State. Like, they just they just don't have a track record right now. And with Alabama, you do go and beat a top 15 team in Florida, who is a team that I think deservedly should be top 15. Uh, and... We can say, oh, well, it came close. It's a credit to Alabama that the fact that they only won a top 15 game by two is enough for people to freak out, like to, to really, really freak out uh, and say, oh, my gosh, the Alabama dynasty is ending because they only beat Florida by two points on the road. Like that's a credit to, to just how uh, the, the standard that we hold Alabama to. But, 
you know, Alabama does have a win over Miami and Miami does not look very good. Right. But it's a top 40 ish type win and then a top 15 type win. So for me, I, I just have more of a track record with Alabama and I'm still waiting for Georgia to have the opportunity to prove that they're anything else. Get back to me with Miami being a top 40 ish type win. Miami is two and 10. So let's let's put <laughs> two it in. Ten. I, I will happily take the two and 10. Bet. I'm officially setting the, the Miami a, a win total over under at two. Georgia's <laughs> coming. Georgia is coming. And I'm not dismissive. Listen, South Carolina is bad. They at least have a couple guys. Right, it's it's a it's an SEC no, they team. Don't. They suck. They're terrible. They have that one receiver guy, man or van, or there's like they have a guy, and and they have Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer's trying his very best. That's even cool. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they don't pay me millions to do that. <laughs> so listen, three headed three headed guys at tailback: Kendall Milton, James Cook, Zamir White. Twenty two for one sixty eight, two touchdowns against South Carolina. JT Daniels, I thought looked good. For some reason, they gave Set Stetson Bennett a series and he threw a pick on the first play. And I was like, what are you doing? Please, please stop. Just stop it. I don't, I, I don't stop. JT Daniels, 23 of 31, 303. Thought he looked good. Thought he made some throws. Still no George Pickens. Still no Kiaris Jackson. Still no Dominic uh, Blaylock. A.D. Mitchell, who's a three-star true freshman, four catches, 77, little something. And then Jermaine Burton's common, three catches for 70 and a touchdown. And then Brandon Bowers, this, again, true freshman from California that we talked about. He's been like their most reliable guy throwing the ball to since the Clemson game. He had five catches again this week. Like, you can see how they're getting better. The defense is still swarming, absolutely swarming. The definition of it. That they just they they get after you. I think Iowa is smothering, right? That that Iowa puts a blanket on you, and you get nice and warm and cuddly, and then Iowa suffocates you, right? Georgia is like getting attacked by bees. There is nothing warm <laughs> and cuddly about this. You are screaming <laughs> and running for your life. It's like I was just watching Tommy Boy the other night, and they're like, not to make light of it. I think they were driving inebriated and they got pulled over and then the cops were going to get him and they jumped out of the car and they said, we're being attacked by bees. And they ran around like they're, they're, they're sting crazy. That's what it's like. I'm not, I don't mean to make light of that. That's not fun. I mean, a Tom, Chris Farley is my wheelhouse, but in general, but <laughs> times have changed. It's okay. Being attacked by bees is funny. Unless it's the and Georgia it's timeless. It's time. <laughs> I don't like, I actually like bees. I'm afraid of butterflies, but the bees, I'm okay. That, no, that that's doesn't a, make any uh, sense. Oh, oh, butterflies. Don't get me started on butterflies. They trick you with their beauty and then they crawl on you. So anyway, the thing, but Georgia, like you can just see the pieces. Georgia is not all the way there yet. But even though South Carolina, okay, I'm, I'll I'll seed the point on South Carolina, not good. That you could still see that Georgia every week there's more coming and it's injury related. And I'm just waiting for these guys to get back. I just think, I just think clearly they are the best dudes. Bryce Young for Bama is playing great. Will Anderson is wrecking stuff for Alabama. I, I get all of that. But I thought they gave up some stuff against uh, you know, against a Florida offense that is is good, but is they're gonna face better offenses this year. Uh, Alabama is. And I just think they are not swarming in the way that I think the Georgia defense is. So I, I'm very confident with Georgia in my number one spot right now. Yeah, I mean, I will admit, right? Like, I don't think that Georgia could do anything against South Carolina or UAB that were going to make me comfortable. Because the question I have right now is when their offense plays a good defense, does it look like how it looked against Clemson, right? Like, does it look like a unit that just can't move the ball? I've, I've seen other teams play against good defenses and look okay, right? Like, I, I yeah. know that I've seen that. With Georgia, I, I just have to wait and see on that. I, I just do. And that's why I mentioned, you're going to play a physical team in Arkansas uh, on October 2nd. You're going to play uh, on the road against Auburn on October 9th. And if they win those games back-to-back, then yeah, they're the number one team for me, I, I, I think. I, I need to look at what Alabama's doing. But like, that's what it would take, right? I just need to see that their offense is real once they're playing a real team. Defensively, I have no question marks, none. But... Right now with Georgia, I, I mean, again, that's their big question. Are they a complete team offensively? And I will say I'm very impressed by 
you mentioned some of the freshman receivers who have stepped up. I've been waiting for that. We didn't yep. get to see that in week one against Clemson because they didn't really play very many underclassmen, which I totally understand. They tried to lean on their veterans and their veterans are not very good. Their underclassmen look pretty good in this offense. And so that gives me hope that eventually, you mentioned them not being a finished product. Eventually, I think that they're going to be a very good offense. I just think that Alabama is much closer to a finished product. And the fact that they took their foot off the gas against Florida because they're a Bill O'Brien team and Bill O'Brien does his thing. Uh, you know, it just doesn't concern me that much. Shahan's top 12, Bama one, Georgia two, Iowa three, Oregon four, Cincinnati five, Oklahoma six, Penn State seven, Texas A&M eight, Ohio State nine, Clemson 10, Ole Miss 11, Notre Dame 12. My top 12, Georgia one, Bama two, Oregon three, Penn State four, Texas A&M five, Iowa six, Cincinnati seven, Ole Miss eight, Oklahoma nine, Ohio State 10, Clemson 11, and Notre Dame 12. When we come back, time for some booting. We have 12 teams right now. In about five minutes, we're going to have 11 on the College Football Playoff Show. All right, we are back. I gave three options for the booting. And again, the booting is required on the College Football Playoff Show. Three options for booting this week. Notre Dame, still 3-0. 27-13 win over Purdue. Clemson 2-1. Beat Georgia Tech 14-8 this week. Ohio State 2-1. Beat Tulsa 41-20 in a game that was a one-score game in the final six minutes or so. I will tell you, Shahan, that the Texters, who do you think the Texters want to boot out? Who do you think won the vote? I think it's going to be Notre Dame. Notre Dame 50%. Clemson 36, Ohio State 14. Again, we're still a little Ohio heavy on the Texters, which is fine. But if you're not an Ohio State fan... Pay the dollar a month after the free trial so you can, you know, sort of outweigh a lot of the Ohio State fans that we have here. 817-442-6789. So the texters want Notre Dame out. So that's one vote. I'll give you the next vote. Who do you want out of Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame? Is there any question about this? Uh, get Notre Dame off my television screen. Get them out of here. I I don't know what we're doing here, man. I understand heading into the year there was optimism, and I mentioned on, on the Tuesday show, I don't think that Jack Cohn has been the problem, and I expected him to be. I expected the offense to be an issue. He's been very, very good. But defensively, this team has been kind of a disaster. They haven't really had to play anybody who should have been able to compete with them, and it's been three games down to the wire. They, they really could have lost all three of those games. You mentioned they're 3-0, and and congratulations to them. And that does mean that they have the opportunity to play their way back in. Right. Like that's the benefit yes. of being three and is that you can't play your way back in. If you go one and three and one and two of those games, like you can't play your way back in. They get Wisconsin this week. They get Cincinnati the week after they go on the road to Virginia Tech. They play USC. They play uh, North Carolina like that stretch. If they look pretty good in that stretch, I don't even think they have to win all of those games. If they if they only lose one of those games, I think that they could be back in the conversation. But They've showed me nothing to this point that proves that they deserve to be in this conversation, so get them out of here. And that's it. They're booted. My vote wouldn't even count, but I would boot them just because Clemson and Ohio State, even though they have losses, have you can see what they have to do. Notre Dame, man, like they can't keep playing like this or they're definitely no. going to lose. And so they have Wisconsin and then Cincinnati. And again, maybe if they beat Wisconsin, maybe we'll let them in next week. But maybe not. But then if they beat Wisconsin and Cincinnati, then I'm sure we'll let them in because we'll be kicking yeah, some other people out yeah. and they'll deserve to be back in. But they are who they are. And as you said, the one thing is it's not Jack Cohn, who is 23rd in the nation in passing yards per game, 276 per game, completing 63% of his passes. You know, like they're playing Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin's not throwing it that well. I will say, as we sort of talk about Notre Dame for the last time here, potentially for a while, the, it's not the first time, nor will it be the last time. This is the kind of the weird thing about the transfer stuff, man. Like Wisconsin is playing their former quarterback this week, who is starting for another top 25 team. Like part of me, right. is like it's hard to wrap your head around that. This is kind of weird. Jahan, is it not? Yeah, no, it, it is very weird. And I mean, the other thing that's going to be interesting too, is like, I, We'll be curious to see. We had this sort of free transfer rule this past offseason. If we see guys potentially double transferring, uh, you know, especially with that extra year of eligibility potentially granted to them. So it is definitely weird. I, I mean, look, we've seen 
teams play against their quarterbacks that they've had before. We've we've seen that happen before with grad transfers and even with just traditional transfers. But it, it definitely is weird to kind of turn around this quick and see a top 20 game uh, on top of that featuring two quarterbacks who both used to play at Wisconsin. Jack Cohn again, 23rd in the nation in passing yards per game. Grand Mertz, the four-star quarterback who took Jack Cohn's job after Jack Cohn got hurt. He's 83rd in the nation in passing yards per game with 163. Wisconsin off last week. Penn State lost to open the year, then a 34-7 win against Eastern Michigan. They got an extra week to figure this stuff out. So again, this is one of these things. I think I've seen Notre Dame people talk about this. Notre Dame is getting Wisconsin, Cincinnati back to back. Both Wisconsin and Cincinnati have bye weeks the week before they play Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. This again, it, it puts you in a tough spot a little bit. I don't feel sorry for Notre Dame, but like, again, they're up against it. They're three and oh, but if they win these next two games, they're going to answer a lot of questions. And if they don't win the next two, then we're just we're done talking about them and Shahad will live a happier life. <laughs> Thanks to you guys for making the college football playoff show part of your week. Follow us on Twitter at CFB Playoff Show. Make sure you're following Shahan on Twitter. And Shahan, again, you are going to a game on Saturday. What else? I know I, you kind of are on top of like the in, most interesting news in college football on a daily basis is, is one of your jobs at cbs sports again we like to check in young man rising up the ranks everything going good yeah no it's it's been a great start uh you know it's definitely it's definitely interesting kind of shifting your focus because you know me i've i've obviously always watched national college football but it's definitely something to have to kind of be invested in all of it at the same time uh you know the nice thing about being at home during some of this is that Boy, I have like six games on at the same time trying to keep track of everything. And so that is that is a fun way to watch it. But I'm I'm excited to get out, finally get to go see a game this year because I mean that's that's what I love, right? That's the fun part is getting to go out and, and see these guys play. And I will be out there on Saturday watching Ohio State as a 53-point favorite against Akron on a Saturday night because they wanted to put it on the Big Ten network on a please Saturday cover. Night. Please win the game. Like please don't please bet. show us something. Don't but don't bet on it. Please don't, don't bet on trying to figure out like, well, I have to go 56 because Ohio State, this is Ohio State's game to play its backups. They're going right, to be playing right, fourth right. stringers. Do not put your money on this either way. Give it to Jerry. All right. He's Shahan. I'm Doug. You guys make it go by giving this podcast an opportunity and making it a part of your week. We are very grateful for that. And we will talk to you next week with our pod on Tuesday and our pod on Wednesday. That was the College Football Playoff Show.